to help them. Um, and so uh, in the midst of this on mission, um, we're going to be looking at, at, at how he continued to help that church in Ephesus. And, and I want to take a minute just to read this passage here. It's a very uh, beautiful, kind of poetic uh, passage that Paul, Paul begins the book of Ephesians with. And so would you just read, starting in verse 3 with me in Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Would you pray with me? Lord, as we come before you today, Lord, I pray that you would be softening our hearts, Lord, that you would be speaking to us through your word, Lord, that we would know you more, and know of our relationship to you, God, that you have brought us into your family. And Lord, I pray that we would, we would understand that this morning, God, um, that it would be clear, clear to us, God, and that um, it would provoke us to, to live a life um, as, as part of your family. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Where do you belong? Now, that might sound like a weird question. I'm not saying that you don't belong here, uh, but... but where, where, do, where do you belong? It's a question that we may not ask ourselves consciously very often, but I think subconsciously we're dealing with this question a lot. We're looking for belonging in life. Where do I belong in life? Is it, you know, maybe with a family or in, in the city? Do I belong in the city? Do I belong in this church? Do I belong where I work? We're, we're searching for belonging because belonging is one of the best feelings, right? When you really feel like you belong somewhere, it just feels right. And so we're searching for that belonging throughout our lives. But what happens when we feel like we don't belong, right? It's the opposite. It's, it's, it's not good when we feel like we don't belong. And, and this has probably happened to all of us in one way or another. It happens maybe when you're a teenager, as you're growing up, and there's this angst, right? There's this tension of, I know I belong in this family, and yet I don't feel like I fit in. I, I'm becoming my own person. I'm growing up, and I'm trying to find myself, right? And, and so you start to go, I, I feel like I don't belong in my own family. Um, or, or maybe you feel like this when you get married, and you're, you know, you have a new set of family, right? You have your in-laws, and you might feel like, yeah, I know legally I became family, but I don't really feel like I belong with them. Or, or maybe you feel like this at work, just, you know, especially because, okay, I'm a, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, but I, I don't belong with these other people at work. But then at the same time, what happens when you don't belong, when you feel like you don't belong in the family of God? Because I think a lot of us have been there at some point in our lives where we feel like we don't belong in God's family. 
And, and maybe there's a few different reasons. Maybe one of it is that we don't feel like God really wanted us to be part of his family. Like, yeah, technically, he said whoever believes in him can have eternal life. And so I did that, and he's like, oh, yeah, I guess technically you can come in then, right? Maybe we feel like that. Like, he didn't really plan for this, but he asked to let us in because he said he would. It's like, it's like um, have you ever um, gotten invited to a party because you were standing there? Like, uh, you know, you're talking with somebody and someone else comes up and they don't even realize you're there. And they're like, hey, are you still coming over tonight at 7? And then they realize you're there and it's this awkward moment of like, oh, hey, uh, you can come too. You're like, and I know you didn't mean that. And sometimes we feel like that with God, like God didn't really want us to be a part of this. Or, or maybe it's not that. Maybe it's that we don't feel like we're worthy, right? And I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. I don't belong. I can't be in God's family. I'm too messed up for this. Maybe you've felt that way before. Or maybe it's not either of those. Maybe it's just that you feel like you're not really connected. You don't really have a connection to God. You don't really have this relationship that people talk about. I mean, you've, you know the truth of Scripture, but you're like, I just don't feel like I'm... Like, I really belong to this family. And I think that's how the Ephesians were feeling, too. Because when Paul writes this letter, so much of the book of Ephesians is focused on showing them that they do belong. And, and the problem for the Ephesians was, is, is they felt like, man, we're, we're getting in on this Jewish Israelite promise, right? Like, God, God's people was Israel, and he, and he came and he sent Jesus to save them. And I guess it kind of extends to the rest of the world, but really they're the chosen people of God, and we're not part of that. They felt outside of that, like I'm not really part of that. And so on one side, they had not, not feeling like they belong to God's family because of that. And on the other side, they feel like they don't belong in this culture they live in, right? Ephesus was, you know, Pastor Bob talked about it the last couple of weeks. Um, it was Artemis's city, and, and you worshiped Artemis, and yet they don't belong to that family, and yet, so where do they belong? And that's where we come to Ephesians chapter 1. And what we're going to find Paul telling them, God telling us in Ephesians chapter 1, is that we do belong in the family of God. And we belong in God's family because we've been adopted, we've been redeemed, and we have an inheritance. And that's what we see laid out in this chapter right here. So as we go to it, we're going to start with verse 3. And verse 3 kind of outlines the rest of the chapter. It kind of sets up the whole chapter. So let's read verse 3 again. So verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So first off, praise God, right? That first, that first part of the sentence there is, is praise God. Why? He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, do you kind of, does part of you kind of go, what in the world does that even mean? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places? Like, what does that even mean? That sounds really good, right? I'd like to get my hands on every spiritual blessing. I'm going to ask for that for Christmas this year, right? But, but wait, look, what does he say? It's past tense. Who has blessed us. We've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Do you believe that? And the answer to what, what, is, what are those spiritual blessings is answered over the next several verses as we go through this. That, and, and that's what shows that we belong because he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. We have belonging. So this first one is that we've been adopted. We've been chosen. So let's read these next three verses and be thinking about that as we read them. Verse 4. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us 
to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. What we see here, just at the beginning here, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, we have been chosen by God in Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world. You know what that means? That means before Genesis 1-1, God chose you. He chose us. We weren't an afterthought. We weren't, uh, okay, yeah, I guess you can be part of this family. It was a plan all along. God chose you. God chose me. God chose us before the foundation of the world. And what did he choose us for? This next, uh, in verse 5, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. It was God's purpose that he would adopt us. He would adopt us and bring us into his family. Now, this adoption that they're talking about, it may be a little bit different than what we think of as adoption, but the results are still the same. Establishing this son as a true son, as an heir to to the family, to the father, and and that's what he's made us. And, And this adoption that we've been chosen, that we've been adopted, that's how we know that we belong in the family of God. I want to tell you about my friend Luke. Now, you might know Luke. He goes to this church. And uh, Luke showed up in my youth ministry uh, a few years ago when his family moved out here. And uh, when he first came in, he was a little bit different for a couple of reasons. Number one was his skin color was a little different. And, um, and also, he had a really, a really heavy accent. And um, in fact, actually, pretty quickly, I learned that English wasn't even his first language. And over the first couple months in the youth ministry, I started to hear little bits and pieces of his story, and it was extraordinary. You see, Luke was born in China, and he was very, very quickly abandoned by his parents. He was an orphan. So he spent the first few years of his life in an orphanage um, before he was put into a foster home. So he's put with a foster family after a few years, and he grew up in a foster family in China. And that's a difficult life. It's difficult to grow up in foster care here, um, but it's even more difficult in China for, for a couple reasons. One reason is the education system. The education system is very different over there. Um, it's, it's a lot more competitive. You see, over here, we do everything that we can to get a kid to graduate high school, right? Um, maybe you've even seen some kids that shouldn't have graduated high school, but they pushed them through anyways. Uh, over there, it's not like that. If you don't do well enough at any education level, you're just done. of Chinese people don't move on past elementary school because they just don't, they're they're just not good enough to to continue on. Now, Luke wasn't worried about that because he was pretty good at school. But there was one other problem. Because as an orphan, the orphanage was in control of his education. Uh, Even though he was in a foster family, the orphanage still was the ones that made the decisions for for his future. He had no control over his schooling, which meant that they decided if and where he went to school. So at any point, they could pull the plug on his education and just say, hey, we're not going to do this anymore. We're not paying for it. You're done. And and that scared him. He didn't know, man, what's going to happen if if I only have an elementary school or a middle school education? What kind of job am I going to be able to get? And and that worried him as he thought about his future. But there was another reason why um, growing up as an orphan in China is difficult. Um, You know, over here, the older you get, the less likely you are to be adopted. Um, and, and that's true in China as well, but, but it's even worse because at age 14, you actually become ineligible for adoption. At age 14, you get cut off. You can no longer be adopted. 
And you might think, well, what are the chances you'd actually get adopted after 14 anyways? And yeah, but at the same time, like you still have hope, right? But over there, once you turn 14, that hope's gone. The hope of ever having a family again is gone. And so there Luke was, 13 and a half years old, an orphan in China, without much hope for the future. But then, then a family from America flew over to China and adopted him and brought him into their family to be one of their sons, and he belonged to a family now. And that's the thing about adoption. You see, adoption is actually better. Now, don't get me wrong, right? What, what I'm trying to say is that with adoption, you, you choose, right? If, if any of you out there are adopted, you were specifically chosen by that family and brought. They didn't have to, right? They could have just continued to live their lives. They didn't have to do it. But they, they went out of their way to choose you to adopt you. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I have three biological children, and I love them so much, but I didn't choose them, Right? They were, they were just the ones I ended up with. And they can never at any point in their life say, yeah, but my dad chose me. They can say my dad loves me, but, but anyone who's adopted might understand that. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of, a lot of times there's, there's trouble. There's difficulty growing up adopted, but, but there is that truth of, man, my parents chose to bring me into their family, and that's us. God didn't have to. In fact, in a lot of ways, we should say he shouldn't have but he did. He chose us and he adopted us and he brought us into his family. We belong in the family of God because he chose us, because he adopted us. So we belong in the family of God because he adopted us. That's the first, the first point. The second one, we belong in the family of God because we've been redeemed. So let's read those next, those next few verses here. Verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So God had this plan, right, from the beginning for the fullness of time to to bring us into his family, but there was one problem, sin. So you go back to Genesis 3, and, and what happened was that we separated ourselves from God. We sinned against God. Now, a lot of times we misunderstand what happened back then, that, you know, we just broke God, one of God's rules, and we ate the fruit, and it's not that big of a deal, but, but it is. See, God gave us, gave us rule and authority over creation, um, but he kept one thing for himself, to know good and evil. And yet we said, no, we, we, want, we want it all. We want to be like God. And we took that. We rebelled against God. We usurped the throne in some ways. And we, we, we made ourselves God, at least in our own eyes. We rebelled against God. And, and because God is righteous and holy and just, the only, the only answer to that was, was death, was the shedding of blood. Uh, the payment for our sin was death. And that's what was supposed to happen. But because God loved us so much, because he had this plan, right? He had this plan to redeem us, to, to pay the price for us to, to be redeemed, to be brought into his family. And that price was high. 
You see, what's crazy is that, that God, see, we were, Ephesians 2 describes that we were children of wrath, sons of disobedience, following the prince of the power of the air, right? That's who we were, but God wanted these sinful, messed up human beings in his family. And what did he have to do in order to do that? He had to take his one and only son and give him over to death. To bring us, he had to give up his his own son to bring in these sinful humans into his family. To make us sons, he had to give away his own son. And that's amazing. I, I can't even comprehend why God would do that. I mean, could you imagine if in order to adopt a child into your home, you had to give up one of your biological children, right? I I would never do that. And yet that's what God did. He, He gave up his own son. He forsook his son. He turned his face away from his son and poured all of our sin, poured all of his wrath on him so that he could bring us into his family. He paid the price for us to bring us into his family. You know, when Luke was adopted, it, it wasn't like his parents went on vacation to China and they were walking down the street and they came upon a booth on the side of the busy street in China that had a banner over the top that said, free kids, take one. And they just said, well, why not? And they took him and brought him home. We'll, we'll give it a try, right? That's not how adoption works. That's not how it happened at all. No, adoption's expensive. And it's not just expensive. It takes a lot of effort and time. And so his parents, in order to bring him, in order to, in a sense, redeem him out of the darkness of of orphanhood in China, in order to redeem him out of that, they had to pay the price. They had to put forth the effort, go through all the paperwork, and and just pay the money that it cost to redeem him out of that and bring him home into their family. And that's what God's done for us. He paid the, the highest price that we could ever imagine the life of his own son, the life of himself, in order to bring us into his family. We belong in the family of God because we've been redeemed. God God chose us, he adopted us, and then he paid the price for us. We belong in this family. And this third one we get to is about our inheritance. Be thinking about that as we read these next few verses. Verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of of his glory. Now, as we talk about inheritance, um, it can be kind of difficult, right? We don't really view inheritance the same way as they did back then. For us, it's like uh, your rich uncle dies and you get a bunch of money or something like that. Uh, but it was, much, it was much more than that back then. It was about um, taking your father's place as the, you know, the, 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 you know, the owner of the business, the, the patriarch of the family, and coming into, into that role. And so that, re- that idea of inheritance was much, was much richer and deeper there. Um, but as God talks, as Paul talks about this inheritance here, we're going to see a couple things. Um, there's actually two inheritances going on. And so I want to look back at verse 11 here. Now, if you read this in the original language, you could read a little bit differently. You could read it, in him we have become an inheritance. 
In him we have become an inheritance. Now you might be thinking, Ryan, that doesn't sound right. What do you mean we've become an inheritance? Number one, how are we an inheritance? But also, whose inheritance are we? We'll look down at verse 18. The second half of verse 18 says, What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Who's his in that? It's God. So what are the riches of God's glorious inheritance in the saints? Who are the saints? Us. Wait, God has a glorious inheritance in us? Now once again, you might be thinking, Ryan, that doesn't sound right. How can we be God's inheritance? How can God have an inheritance at all? That doesn't make sense. How can the almighty God of the universe who has everything have an inheritance? Because an inheritance is something you don't have yet, right? And so how can, how can the God who has everything have an inheritance? What I'm going to tell you guys today is that there was one thing that God didn't have. Now, before you burn me at the stake for heresy, okay, just, just wait a second. I'm going to say that there's one thing that God didn't have us. Because he gave us the free will to walk away from him, and we did. And so the one thing that God didn't have was a relationship with his creation, with the, is the relationship with us. So what, what is God's inheritance? It's us. It's a relationship that God has with us. And if you think about it, it actually makes sense. What is a father's inheritance? Well, you'd think a father doesn't, you know, at least in terms of like the top father who, who isn't waiting for any more inheritance. He doesn't have an inheritance. But I would say that he does. His inheritance, his portion in life are his kids. That's what the joy of a father is, right? Is that relationship that he has with his kids. The, the right reason to have kids is to have a relationship with them, right? Now, we live in a broken world and there's a lot of having kids for the wrong reason. But the right reason... Why we want kids is to have a relationship with them. So the next time you're annoyed with your parents because they want to spend time with you, remember that they had you in the first place so they could spend time with you. And, and that's, that's God in us. His inheritance is us as a relationship that he wants with us. And that's why he brought us into that family is to have a relationship with us. So that was first. That was God's inheritance um, in us. So his inheritance in us, but we also see that we also have an inheritance. Look at these last two verses. Verse 13 says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So, so go, go back to that. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. So at the time of belief, right, you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. You have that faith. What happens? You're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Who is the guarantee or the down payment of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory? So, so what we see going on here is that we, we have this inheritance and we've, we've received, already we've received a down payment and that down payment is the Holy Spirit. But, but what's really going on here, right? Because to say that you have an inheritance and the Holy Spirit is a down payment doesn't really mean anything to you, right? So, so what's going on with this? So we could look at it in two ways. One is, okay, what do we know about our future inheritance in eternal life? And, and what do we know about the Holy Spirit? So first, what do we know about our future inheritance in the eternal life? Is, if I told you, you have this inheritance that is eternal life, what do you think of? Well, you think of new creation, right? New heavens, new earth. You think of, of, of streets of gold and the new Jerusalem, those kinds of things. But I'm going to tell you that 
that's not really what our inheritance is. Yes, that'll kind of be part of it. But John 17.3 says, Eternal life is this, knowing God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. Our inheritance is knowing God, is a relationship that we have with God, with Jesus. So that's our inheritance. And, and so how is the Holy Spirit a down payment of this? Well, what is the main role of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Oftentimes we think of spiritual gifts, those kind of things, but the main role of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to reveal God to us, to show us God, to show us Jesus through his word. That's the main role of the Holy Spirit. So you see how this all connects, how it all makes sense, that, that ultimately our inheritance is this relationship with God forever, and the Holy Spirit makes that possible right now, that we've already received a down payment of that, that we can have a a relationship with the almighty God of the universe right now through the power of the Holy Spirit because of the blood of Jesus. And that's our inheritance. So we belong in the family of God because we have this inheritance and that inheritance is a relationship. We belong in the family of God because we have a relationship with God. And that relationship is so important. I want you to think for a moment, and this might hit a little too close to home for some of you, but you can imagine living growing up maybe still a, still a kid living in your parents' house. And you know that legally you are your parents. You've seen your birth certificate, right? You've seen your parents' name on your birth certificate. You've checked their IDs. You know that legally you belong to them, okay? Uh, and and, and they, they pay for you to live in their house with them, right? So they give you a roof over your head. They, they buy food for you, the things that you, the essentials of life that you need. So they've paid for you to be a part of that, for you to live there. But your dad never talks to you. Never says a word to you. He comes home and he sits down in his recliner and turns on the TV and doesn't talk to you. You try to talk to him. You say, hey, Dad, uh, how was work? Or, hey, Dad, can I tell you about school? And just nothing. Would you feel like you belonged in that family? Would you feel like you were part of that family? No, you wouldn't. Right? You know, yeah, legally I am, but I don't feel like it. And that's why this relationship with God is so important because we can know these things, but if we don't have a real regular relationship with God, we're not seeking him because he's there waiting for us, right? It's not like we have to beg him to come to us. He's right there waiting for that relationship that we can have with him. We belong in the family of God because we have a relationship. You know, I didn't, I didn't ask Luke this, but I imagine that several years from now, towards the end of his life, if I was to ask Luke what the best part of being adopted was, you know, he could talk about coming to America and the opportunities here and, and the great stuff, having an education, a job, that kind of thing. Um, but I think ultimately what he'd probably say, what I hope that he would say, is the best part of being adopted was having a family, was having a relationship with his family, was growing up and, and, and spending the rest of his life in, in relationship with his family. I think that would be the best part about being adopted except for maybe one thing. It's that when they brought him over here, they introduced him not only to their own family, but to an even better family, to a bigger family, to the family of God. Because when, when they brought Luke over, day one, they started telling him about Jesus, that he was a sinner and he, they, he, he needed a savior. And they, and they brought him to church and they poured the gospel into him and he believed and Jesus, and now Luke isn't just part of that family, but he's a part of our family too. He's a part of, of God's family. 
And that's, that's that best part of it, right, is that relationship that we have. So we belong in the family of God because we've been adopted, we've been redeemed, and we have a relationship with God. And all three of those are important. You take any one of those out and it falls apart. So if, if we had, <clears throat> if, if, if he had paid the price and we had a relationship with him, but he didn't choose us, he didn't bring, you know, adopt us and choose us into his family. We, we would always feel like kind of the afterthought, right? Like I mentioned before, like we didn't really belong here, you know. Um, he didn't really want us here, but we got in on the technicality and, and so it's okay. You know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't feel like we really belong. Or, or maybe he, he chose us and he adopted us and we have a relationship, but he never paid the price for us, right? Jesus never died on the cross. Now, we know the reality that we couldn't have a relationship if he would have done that. But, um, but also, it just we would have felt unworthy. If God would have you know, brought us into the new creation without ever paying the price for our sins, we wouldn't have belonged there. We, we wouldn't be worthy to be there. But the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. We do belong. Or, like I mentioned before, if... if you know, we had been chosen and we had been redeemed, but we didn't have a relationship with God. We wouldn't really feel like we belonged. We wouldn't really feel like we are a part of the family. But the reality is that all three of those are true. That's every spiritual blessing. We've been adopted, we've been redeemed, and we have a relationship with God through what Jesus has done for us. And the question is, what do we do with it? This is truth, right? And truth is important. But, but now, how do I live in light of that? And what I'm going to tell you today is something fairly simple. Remember this. Because there's a good chance that most of you knew this before, right? This wasn't totally new information. If, if you've believed in Jesus, then, then you know that these things are true. And yet the problem is, is that we're constantly forgetting it. We need to be reminded of this every day. And, and what this is right here, this is the gospel. I just preached the gospel to you this morning. This is the good news of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And we need to remember this every day. Because that's the big problem is we're constantly forgetting it. And whenever we feel like we don't really belong, it's because we've forgotten the truth. So you need to be preaching this to yourself every day. Because it changes how you live. If you feel like you really do belong in God's family, you're going to start to live like God's family lives. We're on mission, and that's what we've been talking about the last few months, looking at Paul's missionary journeys, looking at how we are on mission to make disciples of all nations. And, and one of the things that's so essential for being on mission is to know your identity, is to know where you belong. Because when you lose sight of that, everything starts to fall apart. How can you make disciples? How can you bring other people into this family if you don't really feel like you belong in this family? And that's why this is so important as we go out on mission for Jesus into the world, as we tell people about him. We have to be secure in our identity in Christ before we can tell others about theirs. And so I want to encourage you guys this morning, all of us, to remember you belong in this family. You belong in God's family because you've been adopted, you've been chosen. You've been redeemed. He paid the price for you. And you have an inheritance. You have a relationship with God forever. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God, 
for all that you've done for us, Lord, um, that, that we have received every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And we praise you, Lord, for that with all of our heart. God, we weren't worthy. We didn't deserve this, and yet you've done all of it for us. God, I pray that we would find our identity in you, that we wouldn't look for our identity in other things, in other places, but that we would find our ultimate true belonging in this family, God. And that would shape who we are, that would shape what we do, that we would live our lives out of that belonging that we find in you. And as we receive today's offering, God, um, Lord, I pray that we would give um, of ourselves to you, knowing that we belong in this family, knowing that we belong to you, God. And that identity would shape, would shape that in us, Lord. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.